All right, as we uh, please continue fellowshipping and, and, and loving each other in connection, we love that. But at, this is the point where we encourage you to, for the fellowship portion, please uh, make your way to one of the lobbies. Yep, go ahead. Um, I, I learned a long time ago when the Holy Spirit speaking, give him the mic. <laughs> and God has spoken powerfully through Scott, and I just felt like um, if he was open to it, we'd call an audible and let him uh, take the, the rest of our class time. So uh, Scott is going to do that. Uh, I'm going to pray a, a quick prayer here, and uh, I trust uh, the power of the Spirit for him to overcome our uh, conversations here a little bit. Father God, we love you, and, uh, and we love how you stir up. I was just, just praying this week um, for the heart of evangelism, and you literally brought it into our room. Uh, Father, I feel like you've given us so many gifts. Sometimes I feel like the gift of evangelism, that passion and heart for the lost that still holds on to the deep love of the people that we're reaching out to is sometimes missing in our churches. You brought it in the room. And, Father, I pray that you continue to open our ears uh, to what Scott has to share and what your Holy Spirit is sharing through him. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's all right. Well, thanks for staying uh, afterwards, after the service here. And uh, one, I... Let's communicate. Uh, if you have questions, I'd love to answer questions. You know, what I'm doing now, and I didn't share this uh, from the stage, on May 26th of last year, uh, I was on a hike on the Appalachian Trail. And uh, I go every year for five days. There's something se- secretly good about the five days. And I go to hear from the Lord. And it's usually on day three that I hear a call from the Lord. But uh, 50 feet into the hike, he spoke and uh, stopped me in my tracks. And I was with a friend of mine. And he says, what are you doing? I said, the Lord spoke. He said, what did he say? He said, give up your position as senior pastor. Give up your income and be a missionary for the Lord and serve the unborn children. And... Uh, and Steve's like, that's not good timing, COVID. I'm like, no, it's not good timing. I said, but me and the Lord have five days to work this out. And so I spent five days in the woods, and I came out confident of the call, told my wife. And she's like, hey, COVID, people are trying to hold jobs, you know. And you're talking about giving yours up. And uh, I said, yeah. She said, you sure he, he called you? And I said, yeah. So for the last year, uh, I go Monday through Friday. Planned Parenthood opens up at 8.30. I'm there at 8.20, and I stay until it pretty much dies down, whatever that is. It's usually around 1, depending on the day. It could be longer. And um, I share the gospel, and I train people all over the world in how to engage with the gospel. So I'm training people in Ireland, Australia, England, across our country. They're hearing and seeing what's going on. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm just going to be faithful and be a good steward and continue to rescue babies and share the gospel and show people how to do it. So uh, so I wanted to let you know that. So what questions do you have? Come on. The, uh, the clinic in, in Nashville, what kind of radius does it serve geographically? It goes uh, all over Tennessee and beyond. So and nothing. Uh, tell me your name again, sir. Keith. Uh, so we don't, I don't call it a clinic because clinic signifies health care. And so y'all don't know that. 
And so I want to be honest in terminology. So they are crushing children in there. They're either suctioning them out or they're poisoning them. But predominantly what they do, their moneymaker, is the killing of children. So we call it a mill. We call it a mill. So it's an abortion mill. Uh, it serves uh, a lot of Kentucky. Kentucky has one place that's still open in Louisville. Most of the people in southern Kentucky will come to Nashville, but they come from all over, Alabama, Georgia, which is, it's actually illegal to do. Uh, they're not supposed to be able to do that. But all over Tennessee, there's four in Memphis, there's three in Knoxville, and there's one in Bristol. The one in Bristol is one of the darkest facilities you'll ever encounter in our nation. Uh, the three in Knoxville are across the campus. I go there and train groups there on how to share the gospel with all those students to keep them from killing their children as well. So that's a good question. You mentioned 20 abortions a day. Is That's the average? Uh, I would say uh, like Friday, was uh, they were scheduling appointments. And, and so they were setting up one day this week to be really busy. We don't know which day that is. So they'll have off days where they'll take walk-ins, and Friday was a walk-in day. So I know either Monday or Tuesday is probably going to be a real busy day where they'll stack all their appointments and they'll uh, do all the pill abortions first. Within uh, Children that are younger than 12 weeks, they'll poison them. Anything after that, they'll do suction abortions in the afternoon. They do those in the afternoon because they want, they think will go away. And so when there's complications and an ambulance is called, they hope nobody's there, nobody sees it. It's an unregulated industry. Nobody knows what goes on in there. When we've tried to set up regulation laws, federal judges say, keep your hands off of them. We don't know what goes on in there. Two years ago, they shut down for almost a year because their own employees saw what was going on and saw the lives that were at risk. They shut themselves down. But nobody knows what happened. Yes, sir. Um, I, I particularly, I just deeply appreciate the fact that you're, you're engaged in the whole process. Discipleship matters to you. You're going to the birthday party two years later. So I just love, discipleship is my passion. I'd love to hear, you know, you talk about what, what does the picture of discipleship look like for you, for people that you're walking with, and maybe even talk about what are some of the tools you give people for that and for sharing the gospel. That is a great question. We've kind of, the church, and... <laughs> I'm going to punch the church a little bit. I love the church. Hear me. Hear me. And like y your leader said, we're all sinners and there's no perfect church out there. The church has not done a good job of making disciples. And so we think, all right, we bring somebody off the streets into our buildings and we clap our hands and go, we did it. They showed up on Sunday. We've made a disciple. That's scratching the surface. It's scratching the surface of discipleship. Discipleship really happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. You've got to enter in and get dirty. And it's hard and it's bloody and it's going to cost you something. And that's when you look at Q in that picture, that's not getting him to church on Sunday. That's living life with him. That's going to his court dates when he relapses from cocaine and he looks over at me and he's like, there's that white dude again. He gets rested again. He looks over in the courtroom. There's that white dude again. And finally he's like, hey, I don't like white dudes, but you keep showing up everywhere I'm at. You keep bailing me out. Why? Why? 
Let me tell you about Jesus, Cliff. He's part of our family. It's been hard. I've woken up in the middle of the night and met him on the street when he's being kicked out of a rehab. I put him in hotels. Red Roof. I don't know how many hotels I put him in. It's cost me dearly, and it's worth it. It's worth it. And so that's what I do. Um, discipleship is led by the Holy Spirit, and some of these people carry deep issues. And to be honest with you, life is a lot easier if you don't make a disciple, but it's kind of a miserable way to live, and the church kind of starts stinking a little bit when you're not making disciples. Um, it gets a little religious, you know. But when you're making disciples and you enter into that hard place and you, and you engage a woman that's been entrenched in a community that's really suppressed her for years, it takes three or four years to pull her out of that. And so I have women, I don't walk with the women, I have women that walk with the women and men that walk with the men. But that's what it takes. It takes three, four, five years of hard work, of loving them, of sharing scriptures. Davi, who is a Buddhist, I mean, we're three, four years into this journey now. She's being so discipled right now. She's like, just a couple months ago, she goes, huh, I get it now. I get why Jesus did what he did. Like it finally resonated three years later. She gets it and she accepts it on her own. It's not a check the box, get baptized, move on. It's a journey. Does that answer pretty good? Yes, sir. Every, every, every situation is unique. Yes, sir. Yeah, a couple questions. Um, first, thanks very much for everything you shared this morning. Was, Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you alluded in your in your message to um, buying groceries and, and working with them, you know, well beyond the, the moment of actually convincing them to not get an abortion. Um, can you elaborate more on the processes y'all go through to help uh, these women mm -hmm. um, not just get the bag of groceries but move on to jobs and stuff? At least talk yeah. to the importance of that. Yeah. And the second question I have is, what are you doing with the with the men, the fathers? Yeah. Uh, because their their side of it is, they're not bearing the brunt of the pregnancy and the abortion, mm -hmm. but they're bearing the brunt of the responsibility and, and, and stuff like that. So, could you talk to both of those yeah. pieces for me, please? Yeah. You know, I think we're not a program. The way I define it is, we're we're the church, and so it really comes back to his question we make disciples and that's not a canned thing if i'm getting to know you it's like hey i just met you brother it's like hey what's going on man what are you going through man i'm finding struggling financially all right let's look at your budget let's figure out how to do a budget together or what you're addicted to heroin okay i can't solve your heroin problem jesus can but you need to go into spring to life recovery program and i get on the phone and get them in a recovery program and stay in touch with them and and so every Everything is unique. Everything is unique. Where we have to be careful is there's no dollar amount and there's no time limit. We often think, well, we've given $2,000 to this person. We can't do anymore. You need to go to the next church. Quentin, 
cost me $8,000 at least. Was it worth it? It is more than that. Operation Saving Life takes care of the women, the babies in our mobile unit where we do ultrasounds on the street every Wednesday and Thursday. I have a nonprofit called Scott Horton Ministries that allows me to do this full time as a missionary. What I do is my funding takes care of my family and anything else I meet on the street. If I meet Quentin, that's me helping Quentin. And there's no dollar amount, there's no time amount. That's what I do. I pay electric bills, light bills, food util uh, food bills. Um, prayed with a woman just on February 4th, met a woman on the street named Charmaine, walked up to her, prayed with her, and your church was a big help in this. I said, ma'am, you have a need? Yes, my children need clothes. I got it. You have another need? Can't pay my electric bill. Lights are getting ready to go out. I got it. What else you need? Food? I got it. Charmaine, I need to be, go see this light bill in person. Can I come to your apartment right now? She said, yeah. I'm driving in the hood off Dickerson Road. It's dangerous. I walk in that apartment. I meet five beautiful girls. I said, show me the light bill. $533. I paid it. That's not the church. We often look to the church and say, church, can you pay it? No, Christians do that. So I paid it and we rejoiced. Took care of the food, took care of the clothing. Left there that day, called my wife, said, man, I was just so blessed. I was talking about the, I got blessed. I thought I was going to be the blessing. No, I was blessed. I didn't know the next day as I stood at Planned Parenthood, as I stood there at 10 o'clock in the morning, I'd get a call from a family member of Charmaine. They said, hey, are you the pastor that was in her apartment last night? I said, yeah. They said she died of a heart attack in front of her girls this morning. I was like, no way. They said, yeah. I said, where are you guys? I want to come meet the family. I went to North Nashville to Gooch Street, pulled up. There's 40 people in the yard. They look at me and they all come. They surround my car. I get out and the father looks at me and says, I know who you are. I know what you did. And we are grateful and we rejoice in the Lord. It has nothing to do with abortion. And the Holy Spirit told me, walk with this family. Y'all helped me pay for the funeral. Individuals in this church, it cost over $10,000. I knew those girls, though, from ages 2 to 13, needed the proper burial for their mom to see their mom. And I was called to be faithful. The funeral director was like, you going to pay for it? How long have you known this family? 30 minutes? Yeah, because the Holy Spirit told me to do it they said we want you to speak at the funeral okay I spoke at the funeral gave the testimony of Charmaine did you know that night I left there Charmaine called her family up and said hey guys I've experienced a miracle would y'all come over and praise Jesus with me all of her family went over to her apartment they were praising Jesus all night Charmaine said I've been blessed I have to bless others she bought pizza for all the apartment people on her floor that night they rejoiced all night she died the next morning at the funeral I stood up and gave the testimony of Jesus I've never been to a funeral where I walked off the stage and 300 people are there and half the building exited with me and we rejoiced in the parking lot celebrating Jesus Tony God is amazing it all goes back that initial comment that guy made that young boy what are you gonna do about racism 
This is what he's going to do about racism. Quentin, funerals, babies, racial reconciliation. Black dude that hates white dude. Oh, he's my brother now. Seriously, he's part of our family. That's racial reconciliation through the gospel of Jesus. Another question. Yes, that's my wife, Lindy. She has a question. This, is, this scares me more than anything. No, I don't have a question, actually. Oh. No, I was just going to say also on, on that side is, um, you know, Scott can only do so much. He's one person. And so we all, that's why we have Operation Saving Life as well. Um, and, and, and that's why he is all about um, what you all are doing, getting the churches um, um, involved. Because the women come from everywhere. And so what one, one thing Scott's great at is connecting the dots. Somebody live in Lexington. He knows of a church that is in Lexington, then he can help connect them to that church. And then what's the church going to do? And you guys sound like you're on it um, with what they said at the end. Some, I forget her name, Mandy or somebody. Um, you know, you have somebody to talk to. What our church did this first season was we had a program, because we had so many women coming in, we had a program called Embrace Grace. Um, you all can do that program eventually something that you feel called to do so it's more than just you know it's 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 everyone getting involved and um, and then helping make disciples um, and so that's I just wanted to say that as well like he he's really good at connecting people and connecting churches and then then you what are you doing to help Susie Q you know and it's it it's, it takes a village it takes a church and the community to rise up to really make a yeah, thank you, honey. Yeah, I, I, my call is there. And so I, I rescue the children, I get the, and I'm connecting. I can't walk with, it's not my duty to walk with a woman. It's a woman of God's duty to do that. So I'm looking for those women who have a unique ability to enter into the tough place of discipleship. Do you have a question, sir? Sorry. Okay. Oh, you just hold the mic? Okay. Yeah. Scott, uh, during your sermon, you mentioned uh, a lady that was just rescued who was having, I think was the one having twins. Yes. Is she from Franklin? Or, because uh, you, you mentioned something about... I no, there's, a, there's actually one right now I have a rescue that's hanging in the balance that happened on Wednesday. 18-year-old boy, 18-year-old girl from Franklin. Uh, he's a twin, she's a twin. She's pregnant with twins. She was 100% abortion-minded. They weren't even coming in. I saw them sitting in a parking lot. And I just, you know, when you sit in an environment long enough, you know the environment. I know the environment. People are like, well, how do you know? Well, I've been standing here for years. I know all the sounds. I know most of the intentions. I can discern really well down there just because I'm there every day. And so I look over in the parking lot, and I'm like, that's a couple that's contemplating abortion. I'm like, well, how do you know that? I've just been here long enough and walk up. Yeah, they were 100% abortion-minded until they heard the gospel. And the guy's like, man, that's awesome. He reached out to me that night and said, my girlfriend so needed to hear that. And now she's really considering going the other way. So y'all be in prayer for that young, that young lady that has twins. We'll know this week. question yes sir 
Well, this, this is a question about the great beyond, which is quite the mystery to most of us. Yeah. But um, thinking about the scripture that says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what would be your understanding of the eternal condition of the little ones whose lives have been prematurely snuffed out? Wow. That's a deep question. Um, you know, the Lord knows. I think there's a mystery to our faith. And there's a lot of mystery. And I accept mystery. Like, did, you know, did God call you here today? Is it his sovereign hand that put you here today? Or was it your free will? Yes to both. And that's not a cop-out to answering your question. But, you know, God formed that child in the womb. He has holy plans for that God. Uh, for that child, and I would say they are in his hands. They are in his hands. Yeah. Yeah, his grace is so simple in some ways and powerful, but there's a mystery, uh, a mystery to grace. And uh, we, we come from different backgrounds. You guys are Church of Christ. There's all kinds of beautiful faith out there, but at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord, and uh, I would say those children are in his presence. Yes, it's you. It's going to sound like a convoluted question, but um, one of the things, I, I really don't like Facebook, but I love watching you on Facebook. Thank you. Um, and one of the things that Keith does is he will put out there, if there's a rescue going on right now, please pray. He had a girl, I think it was from Guatemala, mm-hmm. and for four hours, yeah, they five hours. Testifying, was it five? Yeah. But I want you to Long. tell them how many ba- what the count is. That's that's the most exciting part. I look every yeah, day. Yeah, I didn't even say that. Oh, there was one yesterday. Yeah. So it, it's really. Yeah, we um, had our 268th rescue this week. 268. That's just yeah. So yeah. I would, I would invite you to follow Scott Ford on Facebook because I mean you'll see some pretty gritty, pretty gritty stuff. Yeah. You know, that was tough. That was uh, three weeks ago. A uh, young couple were walking in, and uh, they were had their back turned. I said, hey, 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 just come and pray with me for a second. And they didn't even say anything. They just turned and came and prayed with me. And uh, for five hours, the guy didn't say anything, and the girl didn't say much. And so through the first hour, I was like, all right, they're not going anywhere. And uh, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you don't stop talking. And you continue to talk. And they will stay here. And then it got to a point to where it was like, all right, I'm going to continue to talk until this place closes and they can't go in. So I talked for five hours. And we had people gospel. I would get tired. Somebody else would step in. Gospel. Somebody else would get tired. Gospel. Another person would come in. Five hours later, they're like, oh, I guess we're going to have to leave. And so they left, but they were still abortion-minded. The day of their abortion, they were pulling up. I was standing there. And they pulled up to the entrance. And they looked at me. And they froze in the road for a busy road and it was a weird 60 seconds and I'm like ah that's the couple and they looked at me and they rolled down the window and said we'd like to talk to you again and they pulled over and they said we've changed our mind we changed our mind and I said we're going to walk with you and help you it was worth it five hours it was hard and it was hot that day too Yeah, 
Uh, depends which side you're on. Now, if you're driving down the road, most people are fours. We get so many supportive honks and waves and so many people just stop. Some people pull over in the Walgreens and just pray. I'll go over there to talk to them, see what's going on. They say, I'm just pulling over my lunch break to pray for you. I don't even know who they are. Uh, I've told you our culture is filled with rage, ignorance, and hopelessness. Those people are not for me. And so there's a lot of ignorance in our culture. It's crazy how ignorant our culture is and what they believe. Uh, but I, get, I do, I get flipped off a lot. And I've had people pull guns. I've had five guns uh, pulled and um, nobody shot me. Um, but we deal with rage and there's ways that I train people on how to deal with it. You know, I've had a person come at me pretty strong and, and as they're coming at me, I've just kneeled down and say, hey, I'm not here to fight. And it, why the guy kneel down? You know, it kind of throws them off. And I've had a guy that's wanted to kill me in one minute, and 10 minutes later, we're holding each other and we're crying. Um, so there's a lot of rage in our culture. There's a lot of hard hearts. And it doesn't matter what information you give, they can't hear it. Second Corinthians 3 tells us that only the Lord can lift the veil if they turn to Jesus. It doesn't matter what you say. If that heart is hardened, it's not going to penetrate unless the Lord allows it. What I'm looking for of my 268 rescues, all of them proclaimed Jesus. All of them had an ounce of compassion, a gift of compassion that, yes, they're making a proclamation. They've got compassion. Their behavior is this way. They hear the gospel. They hear conviction from me. And all of a sudden it brings their behavior to their proclamation. And they said, I'm going to let my child live. That's 268 people. All of them have that in common. And so he says he were ambassadors in 2 Corinthians 5, right? And he works through us, the church. The Lord invites the church in to do the work. And that's all I'm doing. The victory is not in the 268 rescues. The victory is the church showing up and being obedient to what God has called us to do. And he's called us to be salt, light, peacemakers. To be ministers and messengers of reconciliation. And there's no reconciliation at Planned Parenthood. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's what happens there all day long. And I'm called to be obedient, and the victory is just in standing and being the church. Jesus has to rest. So it, it's a hostile environment. Lindy, when I first started, she goes, I don't want you to go because there's a video where a guy pointed a gun at us. And um, she goes, but you have to go, don't you? I said, he's called me to go, and if I die, I die. Is there something? Um, yeah. I'm going to ask Keith. Uh, Albert has a, a word. I should think there's a final word that you have for us. The time went quickly, but you'll see our parents are have to go out and get their kids. Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to say again, thank you for modeling for us how love opens the door for truth. And sometimes we feel like you can only do one or the other, and they, we need them both. So you modeled that beautifully. Thank um, you. Albert's got a okay. thought, and then if you have a final word, and then yeah. Keith is going to surround and pray for you. Yeah. Just very briefly, our nation has lost a sense of spiritual values. And so for many, this is more than just a surgical procedure. 
But the DNA of God, the breath of God is in that infant. The breath of God. And so you're, you're, you're dealing with God. You're doing something other than God would have that DNA to be done. So there's where the serious issue comes. Yeah. It is a moral issue. Yes, sir. Thank you. His DNA is in that womb. That's right. That's right. I'm going to lay my hand on Scott here. We'll pray and wrap up. Father, it has been a good day. It's been a, a, a good time to be here and hear Scott's message. Father, we want to thank you for the power, th powerful things that you are doing through your servants like Scott. And I'm sure Scott's just one of many across this country who have the loving heart to reach out, to be vulnerable, to be bold, and to use your power and your spirit to try to change uh, decisions about killing children. Father, continue to bless his ministry. Father, we pray that you will raise up churches like Fourth Avenue and, and, and others to partner with Scott, to be, become involved with Scott, and to help him do his ministry and to be a force when it comes to discipling these um, individuals and these families that need to hear the gospel of Jesus. Father, thank you so much for the work he's doing. Keep him safe. Continue to bless his family. Thank you so much for them being with us today. Father, help him to lean on you uh, for the strength, for the courage, and in faith, knowing that you are going to always protect him. And Father, that's what we ask for Scott. Thank you for our time today. Thank you for the great blessing that we've had. Father, thank you for our church. We ask all this through the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank